Blog Talk Radio. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Vince Young scores. dreams, all the hopes for the national championship come down to this play. Young from the shotgun, back to throw. Vince looks, under pressure. He'll tuck it in and run. Vince to the five. Young, touchdown Texas. Touchdown Vince Young. He's done it again. Vince Young has given the Longhorns the lead with 19 seconds to play in the game. This is an incredible individual effort for Vince Young. How about this play? Trying to get a receiver open in the end zone. Gets pressure, feels it, sees the corner of the end zone. And how about another walk-in touchdown for Vince Young? All right, Longhorn Nation, reliving some great memories of the years gone by. And hopefully with a new era upon us, we will get back to championship day soon. Welcome to all old listeners, new listeners. I am Mike, and you are listening to the Wednesday edition of the Orange Report. It's been a few weeks since we've been here, and I want you to know I'm buckled in, strapped in, got my helmet on, and we're getting ready to rip it tonight. I got a special guest coming on in just a minute, my good friend Justin Wells from Inside Texas. Um, so we're going to get him in in just a minute. Uh, but, man, what a couple weeks it has been for Longhorn football fans. Um, the debacle in Kansas, the final home game of the strong era, the 31-9 thrashing by TCU, and ultimately, a few hours later, Tom Herman is the head football coach at the University of Texas. Um, so with all that said, it looks like Justin is on the line already, so we're going to bring him in, and we're going to break this all down tonight, and I hope everybody is excited as I am. Justin, welcome back to the Orange Report, buddy. Well, it looks like Justin is not quite on the line, having a few difficulties, but that's okay. Um, he'll be in in just a minute. His phone dropped. He's probably trying to find the, the right room in the house to, um, to to get on. So I'll get him back in here in just a minute. Uh, but I do have a, a few opening remarks, I guess, for old listeners and new listeners. And, you know, I, I want this to be pretty clear. Um, you know, um, obviously um, – I took a lot of heat on Twitter, um, you know, over my stance on Charlie Strong. And, you know, for lack of better terms, uh, I, I hate to say it, but uh, I feel vindicated. Um, but that never was my intention. My intentions have always been what's best for the University of Texas and winning football games. Uh, I have no ill will against Charlie Strong. I have no disdain for the man. I think he's a, a great man. But for whatever reason – it did not work, and I was ready to move on when others were not. And I, I will respect their opinions. Um, you know, a lot of people wanted another year. They defended it to the bitter end. And, again, that's all within those people's prerogative and right. I just had a different view, and, and I stood by that view. I still stand by that view today, and I think it was the best decision long-term for the University of Texas. So 
With that said, it looks like Justin is on the line, so I definitely want to get, get him in now so we can spend as much time as possible. But, Justin, welcome back to the Orange Report, buddy. Hey, Brother Barnes. Good to hear from me, my man. Well, it is good. Before we get into this Tom Herman talk and some recruiting, I've got about four or five questions from you on Twitter we're going to get to. Uh, you know, I want to – you know, I don't want to – have another orange report where I talked about the Charlie Strong error, so this is probably going to be it for me tonight. So I want to do my, I want to close the book and close the final chapter on the Charlie Strong error. So we're going to start with that. And I guess my first question on, on the view, I mean, there's a lot of things we can look at uh, that went wrong, um, and there's some things that went right, but but where did it all go wrong? Um, was it just doomed to fail from the start, or, or were there things along the lines that, that, that we saw that he just couldn't do it? You know, did he really deserve another year? Was there, was there ever a chance of him winning big? I'm just going to let you peel the onion back, and I'm going to just sit back and listen. I do appreciate it, Mike. And uh, just I want to first and foremost tell you thanks again for, for letting me join this. Uh, I remember when you and I did this podcast years ago and it was one of the reasons I'm at where I'm at right now and that's why I'm always grateful for you and always uh here to help you when you need it um it seems to me like you need closure on the strong era so let's try to deliver that the best way we can Charlie Strong was a great man he's just not a great coach and I don't mean that in a derogatory way I think he can be successful at certain levels uh, you know, like at Louisville, uh, you know, schools that don't have such pressure, such intense media scrutiny on a day-to-day basis like you will encounter at the University of Texas. You have to be the face of the program. You really have to hire the best assistants possible and delegate their responsibility and let them do as much as possible. And you've got to kind of be a politician on top of being a great football coach uh, because when you win at Texas, it's the highest honor, and when you lose, you, you'll get run off pretty quick. That's just the standard that's been set there. With Charlie Strong, he had his strengths and weaknesses. Uh, he came in. Uh, I don't. I didn't. I think the, the the first thing he did wrong was the staff hires in his first year. If Strong hires a spread offensive coordinator in his first or or even second year, he's still the coach. Uh, his his. Uh, Neglect to bring in a grad transfer quarterback. Uh, I just I can't believe that he would think David Ash was going to be successful after what he had endured. I can't believe that he would think that Tyrone Swoops uh, in the body of work and just doing a simple evaluation would ever be more than marginally successful at Texas. I can't believe that he would look at Gerard Hurd, who is a tremendous athlete and can be so dynamic at times but lacks uh, a lot to be a big-time D1 quarterback could be the man. Why not bring in a Gerard Evans uh, from Trinity Valley who's you know playing at Virginia Tech? Why not bring in a Riley Ferguson who's doing a tremendous job at Memphis? Uh, I think if he brings in a, a grad transfer quarterback, a tr- uh, someone that could come in and, and just really hold the reins until a, a big-time freshman or sophomore came along, I think he's still the coach. Um, ultimately, he was an incredible recruiter. I've talked to college coaches that swear up and down he is one of the best recruiters they've ever been around. Uh, I've had some even tell me he's better than Mac Brown. Uh, Chris Nelson was famous for telling, saying, or Chris Daniels was famous for saying, "Don't let that man on your couch." And it's true. Uh, he did a he, he signed two really really good classes uh, in his opportunity when he was when, when he was in Austin and. 
um, he, that, 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 those were his strengths. His weaknesses overcame the strengths, so unfortunately. And uh, a lot of times I feel like that was game management, uh, lack of preparation, which is a cardinal sin in sports, period, much less big-time college football. Um, a lot of times the, the lack of preparation, even with the great athletes, they were all under underclassmen. They were all inexperienced. And so that countered with the lack of preparation – you you get you, you lose in Ames, Iowa last year. Uh, you lose in Lawrence, Kansas this year. Uh, those should never happen just from a talent standpoint, much less a Texas standard standpoint. So, I, you know, like I said, I, he had strengths, but I think the weaknesses, to you know, to a lesser extent, just kind of took over. And and that's all you you know. And, and a lot of Texas fans need that closure with Coach Strong because they got a lot. They got mentally emotionally invested in the guy. He's, a, he's easy to like. He cleaned up a program that needed cleaning up. He brought discipline to a, to a, to a football department that needed discipline. And I, I really think Tom Herman has to sit in his office at least two or three times a day now and think, wow, Charlie really did leave me a full house. He, he, went, he, went, he went to Walmart and bought this big thousand-piece puzzle now all I got to do is build it, and when he does, I think people will will I think they'll look at Strong years from now and be grateful, kind of the same way people looked at uh, at at John Blake right before Bob Stoops came, uh, in different areas, different spots like that. And so uh, ultimately, I think he's a great man, just not a great coach, just not a great fit for Texas. Yeah, uh, a good friend of mine. Um told me this a few weeks ago, and I think it really summed it up well, um, is he goes, man, I absolutely love Coach Charlie Strong six days a week. Everything he does is that seventh day that just kills me. <laughs> and obviously, and obviously it, that seventh day, day is game day, yeah. He does everything yeah. everything right um, Sunday, through, uh, Sunday through Friday, but then when he gets to Saturday, it just it doesn't materialize into the ultimate goal of a coach, and that's winning – uh, winning football games. But, yeah, six days a week, he's probably one of the best coaches in the country. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, it's it, he, he inherited a mess, um, more, yeah. I, I think, an, an even deeper mess that people – that hadn't, hasn't even been, you know, discussed or reported. I, I think it was a deeper mess than people even know. And and he really he, – he did the best he can. And, and those players loved him. Those coaches loved him. He had, those guys were so loyal to him as former players. Uh, but ultimately, I think – I think, you know, a core, a strong core of that team, the second half of the season started recognizing in instances where they were getting out coached and that was, they, they started seeing the writing on the wall and, and that's just, you can't have that. You, you have to have the, the best guys and, and trust me, his best hires were the ones he brought on the last two years. I believe he only had one coach from his initial hire. Well, he'd only yeah. been there three years. You're you're cleaning house that much at every position coach each year. That's that's not good for business. And uh, you know, I don't know if it was luck or genius to hire Jeff Trailer uh, from from Gilmer High School because Jeff was the really the, the the linchpin to bring in those two recruiting classes. He he did more than most people can imagine. When twenty four seven had him rated as the top recruiter in the nation, there's a reason for that. Uh, bringing in Gilbert and Maddox. Was it just a year too late? Uh, I think I think Gilbert was 
uh, a great hire. I also think Gilbert was a little over his head. I think the last month people kind of started picking up tendencies and, and what Bouchelle could and couldn't do. And then Matt Maddox is a future star. He's going to be a big-time O-line coach in OC somewhere one day. And so ultimately, you know, like you said, six days a week he's great. But on Saturdays, you just didn't know what Texas team was going to show up. And uh, first it was blowouts, then it was close losses, and then it was losses where dumb, stupid mistakes were made in a third year that you can't make in a third year. Well, yeah, um, yeah. before we move on, my final comment on it is, is that's what I started saying, uh, you know, you know, mid-season as well, is, you know, the players love him, obviously. Um, you know, all players lo- love their coach. Uh, but, but where the, the nail was going to hit the head, and, and you said it as well, is players are too good today. They, they start going to camps early. Um, they, they are a lot more educated on schemes and X's and O's than what they used to be. I mean, players, generally speaking, are, are pretty smart and football savvy now. And, and that's what I started telling people. I said, at some point, the light bulb is going to start to come on for our better players and the ones that are really students of the game sitting in that film room, and they're going to start to see where, damn, I shouldn't have been in cover two or man press. I should have been over here. I mean, look at that. I mean, that, they're seeing what us, what us idiot fans see out here, and, and they're going to start saying, damn, we're not very well coached. And then at that point, the, the ball just started rolling downhill, and it just became plainly obvious that the that the, the Charlie Strong era was doomed. You know, after the Oklahoma State game, or you know, even before that, the Cal game, it just became evident that this thing was not going to get back on the rails. Once once it was off, yeah. it was off. Right, and, and and let's not forget this while we while we wrap this part this segment up. Recruiting was dead. Oh, it was this dead. last three months. It, the recruiting was dead. The first two years, he could sell playing time. He could sell promise, uh, development, all those wonderful things. And, and you were seeing some of that from the players. In the third year, you can't sell that anymore. You have to sell production, and the production just wasn't there. Yeah, there was there was no um, – even the most hard Charlie Strong fan, and, you know, he recruits at the last minute uh, – I mean, he if he was still here today, if somehow they brought him back at 6-6 six and six, – um, uh, you know, let's not sugarcoat it. The recruiting class would have been – the 17 class would have been, I mean, maybe maybe top 35, maybe. Seriously, I mean, it would have been a disaster. It wouldn't have been where it needed to be. It wouldn't have been where it would have been in uh, early September after that big Notre Dame win where Texas was looking at a top five class. It fallen uh, that far. Well, well, let's move on to Tom Herman, and I'll start with this first question because you touched on it where, where Strong went wrong, obviously, was with some hires. Um, OCDC uh, brought in guys from all over the country that really weren't, didn't have ties to Texas, didn't really have a fit to any scheme or, 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 or type of program. Um, and we're all, I'm already seeing rumblings from the Texas fan base that, that, that Herman is falling short on his staff. He's not hiring a lead. He's making comfort hires. So let's start there. Um, what do you think of his staff so far? What direction do you think he's going to go? With, with Herman, I think – the the difference in what, what Coach Herman did and what Coach Strong did is that, and, and, and any other coach, you're going to bring a strong faction of coaches with you when you take a big-time job like Texas that are comfort hires. That's a natural thing because coach in the coaching community, trust is the number one thing. You know, production uh-huh. is very close second in, in, in loyalty, but loyalty and trust are 1A and 1B. And so, yeah, 
That's how you grow a family and a program is through that way. I'm not saying Charlie Strong didn't have that with his staff, but here's the difference. Charlie Strong's staff that he brought in weren't the youngest guys. Uh, besides no. Chris Vaughn, who I thought was a dynamite hire at DB and an even better coach on the field, what he did with those freshman corners was just outstanding. Besides Chris Vaughn, he didn't have anybody that was social media savvy. They were a little bit older. They were a little bit more set in their ways. Whereas Tom Herman is bringing guys with a completely different mindset. They are a lot younger. They've got more energy. Uh, they're very active across social media. Uh, when you see these coaches, uh, these assistants on Twitter, there's a reason for that because uh, they know they're learning the system, and it's a good way to, to connect with parents, coaches, uh, kids, uh, just uh, you know, fan base, fan base alike. It, it's such a building momentum thing that can really – help you uh, when you're trying to garner fan support in your first year at Texas. So, I, of course, Tom Herman brought in some, some comfort hires. At the same time, I'll give you an example. The, the new uh, DB coach, uh, Jason Washington, he comes, uh, he comes there from he's graduate of Texas State. Uh, he comes to, from the University of Houston. I have yet, and this is before he was hired at Texas, I had yet to meet a person, a high school coach mainly or, or, or family, that didn't absolutely love Jason Washington. He's one of those guys that was really just an under-the-radar guy because, he, well, he was an assistant at the University of Houston. Their corners were, were pretty underrated. He actually got one drafted in the first round last year that nobody talked about. Um, they did a lot of good things with, with, with their DBs. That's a tremendous hire. He, yeah, does he have a big name? No, he doesn't. But what he does is he coaches very well, he recruits very well, and he produces very well. And on top of that, he's comforting to Herman. He's trusting. He's loyal. So, of course, Tom's going to bring in some comfort guys. And that's just one example. I think Washington's going to really prove a lot of guys wrong and move up in this business, possibly into a D.C. role in a few years. Um, so, yeah, I do. On one hand, they are comfort hires. On another, you're not – the home run hire doesn't have to always have the big name. It has to have the, the youth, the energy mixed in with some experience, mixed in with playing with some good systems. Um, it's got to be all of the above. And I think that's what he's added so far to, to this staff. Look at Oscar Giles. Uh, he, he, he's the veteran of the group. But who better than to coach defensive linemen at the University of Texas than Coach Giles, former Texas all-conference player, former Texas coach, holds a national championship ring with, from 2005, developed award-winning defensive ends like Brad Bryan and Ragpo and, and, and those guys while in Austin, that's a good hire. That's a really good hire yeah. because it's always good to have a Texas co former Texas coach on your staff if you're at UT. It's actually good to have multiple if you can because when they show kids that T-ring and the, when they do their in-home visit, that, said, that, that gives them instant credibility. They've lived that life. They know what they're talking mm -hmm. about when they sell the University of Texas. So uh, give, give Herman some credit. The guy is incredibly smart, um, in, incredibly hardworking, intense. Uh, what he might lack in an X's and O's adjustment type deal, he completely makes up with over-preparation. We're talking Peyton Manning-level preparation. And these hires were guys that, 
follow along that track. So if you can coach for Herman, who's incredibly demanding, he's a good mixture of Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, and I know people are going to think, wow, put him on a pedestal. But that's been written by many a many national writer and coach that know more about it than I do. So I'd say give these guys a chance. Uh, let's see what kind of recruiting class they bring in. And when spring ball rolls around, let's see just how tough, like we reported it inside Texas after that first meeting with the players. Let's just see how if this is going to be the toughest offseason these kids have ever seen, similar to a military camp. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been reported that, you know, Fendis and, and Mike Perrin jumped on a plane or, or whatever, met Herman, and, you know, in a secure location, whatnot, and, and, you know, got this thing wrapped up early, you know, in the early morning of, of Saturday. And next thing you know, um, boom, boom, um, he was named the coach. So, Tell us how all this, um, you know, this whole thing went down. Obviously, you don't get something done like that had there not been some conversations going on, back channel, whatnot. So, um, you know, how is Tom Herman the University of Texas football coach today? Tom Herman is the University of Texas coach today, I believe, because when Tim Brewster suggested to Mac Brown in 99 to bring him on from Texas Lutheran as a, as a GA, him and Oscar Giles, I think that seed was planted in Tom's mind. Um, you know, he's not necessarily from Texas. I believe he's a Northern California guy. And um, he – or a Cal, uh, yeah, he's a Northern California guy. I believe he played at Cal Lutheran uh, with his as, as D.C. at uh, – or with the D.C. at LSU, Dave Aranda, as a matter of fact. And I think that seed was planted. He, he, he got to work under Mac Brown. He saw just – you know, Texas sells itself in so many areas. And I think it's it, it, – Unless you've ever played there, coached there, or went to school there, I don't think you fully understand just how special it is. And once he arrived in in Austin, I think he fell in love. I think the seed was planted. He always had the determination, the intensity, the hard work, uh, the desire to to learn. Uh, You know, he's never called a play in his life. He's named OC at Texas State, and they set records that season. He's that kind of good. And so – it started with that, with that seed being planted, and then it, it kept going and going and building. Each stop he would go, he would climb that coaching ladder to where he landed as an OC at Ohio State. Urban Meyer gave him a shot. Uh, he today, as much as gives Mac Brown credit for his career, he gives Urban Meyer the same amount, and, and, he, and just justifiably so. He... Let me put it this way. He won a national championship with a third-string quarterback named Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones played three of the biggest games of his life. He hasn't done anything since. I can think. You, I can venture to say I can't remember another team that won a national title with their third-string quarterback who was very limited. Urban Meyer is – I mean, Herman, I'm sorry, is as responsible for that title for the Buckeyes a few years ago as anybody. And that really resonated in the coaching community. That's what drew him Houston to him. And so he gets to Houston and gets has tremendous success with, with some two-star and three-star guys that just got overlooked by the big powers. He maximized a lot of guys and then actually brought in some – convinced some of the best players in the state to actually come to Houston last year, uh, Ed Oliver being that one, probably the, the – best high school football player in the state last year, and he continued it this year. All he does is eat people. Um, you know, so to, for a guy like Herman to talk the best player in the state to come into Houston, which is not a bad school, but you're passing over the big dogs, including the out-of-staters like Alabama, Florida State, and Ohio State, pretty impressive. And so 
I think Texas noticed that. I think they saw that growing. Um, you know, Mike Parents from, you know, he used to have a, a, I don't know if he still does, but he was a lawyer in Houston. And so he was around right. that. And so he, people in Houston were very familiar with this great, young, energetic coach that was doing great things. And Perrin put two to two together and thought, well, you know, he wants he once coached at Texas. He's this up-and-comer. He got a title for Urban Meyer in Florida State. He's doing things at Houston like beating Florida State, Oklahoma, and, 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 and Louisville just by out-coaching them with less talent. And I think Perrin thought this is a guy that could really lead Texas. And, and when they initially made some contact with the agent, it looked like this was something that could happen. And before before you knew it, it didn't take long. Uh, the, the, Charlie Strong had uh, been let go that morning, and a few hours later, Coach Herman was announced, and uh, it was one of the quickest coaching searches I've ever seen. Um, am I naive enough to think that Tom Herman was the only candidate? No. I feel like Texas probably put out a couple feelers uh, for s- some slightly bigger names with more experience just because. Uh, they wouldn't be President Finvis and, and Mr. Perrin wouldn't be doing their job if they didn't do that. But I think the whole time Herman was the one they wanted, a guy that had already built in a great system of recruiting, of understanding high school coaches in Texas, coaching at many stops in the state already, knowing the state front and back, bringing on staffers that were comfortable and familiar with the state, which is another thing Charlie Strong didn't do was recruit guys that really knew how to recruit Texas. And so, like I said, shortest coaching search I could ever remember. There were probably a couple bigger names out there, but ultimately they saw the growth from Ohio, from the GA position in Texas in 99 to Ohio, to Ohio state, to the records at Texas state, to Houston and president Pinvis thought this is the young, energetic, smart guy they need to, to lead Texas into the, to the future. And, and I, I think he was the guy all along. I really do. Yeah, and you know the thing of it is, I mean, uh, I mean his 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 resume's there. Um, he's got the experience now. I mean, you know, he you, you check off all the boxes, uh, but but one that's a big box for me is, you know, a lot of guys take jobs. They want to they want to be somewhere. They want to move up. They know they're getting a big raise. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some money component. But like you said, at the end of the day, the, the, the seed was planted in 1999, and I, I, I am of the firm belief that he had a deep passion burning in his gut all these years. I'm going to be the head coach of the University of Texas, so I'm going to make it big there. And I, I think that, I, and that's what I'm excited about is I think he really wants to be here, and he really wants to show people um, that he can do something on the biggest stage. I think he coaches with a chip on his shoulder, and I kind of like that. When, when, when a coach says that this is their dream job, sometimes it's just coach speak. Sometimes yeah. it's genuine. With Tom Herman, it's real. Well, if you don't mind, Justin, I'm going to get into a couple quick of these um, Twitter questions from us. Um, so um, one of them comes, um, as we stand today, what's the new Texas staff need to do most to have a great class for 2017? That's kind of a broad question, but go ahead and go. It's going to be a small class. Uh, like the last two classes were rather large. There's not a lot of seniors leaving, uh, graduating, and so it's going to be a small class by numbers. I'm thinking anywhere between 19 to 21, 22, depending if there's any attrition. 
I anticipate there may be one or two uh, transfers, just like any other uh, coaching change. But at the moment, those are, those are unknown. It's going to be a small class. You've already got seven commits uh, in the bag. Those guys are, for the most part, every single one solid. Uh, hopefully that stays stays that way for Texas fans. Uh, just by reaching out to each one, they have they've pretty much given us the assurance that this is where they want to be, and they're excited about Coach Herman. They need to that they need to finish strong. They need to grab about thirteen more more guys, and that allotment of thirteen is going to be very critical for two reasons. One, they need to fill in some spots. There there are some holes along the the, the team that that need to be filled in. Uh, they need some. They need a little bit more backups at line, linebacker. They need to add uh, a couple more uh, corners and possibly a safety because you're going to see after next year guys like Chris Boyd, Holton Hill, and Devontae Davis being in demand. They need a couple of running backs, Mike. Um, the running yeah. back situation, No, nobody – I think we all knew Deontay Foreman was a good running back. I think only the really – only the really great evaluators ever saw him as a great running back. Nobody knew he was going to be a 2,000 yards in 11 games running back, not even, him, not even himself, and he, he would admit that. And so they need they need a couple running backs, and that's a sticky situation for 2017 because guys that they need, guys like a J.K. Dobbins or a Kennedy Brooks, those guys are very solid to where they're going. Obviously, Dobbins, Ohio State, Brooks, OOU. Uh, but then you go down to the next tier, and you've got an Eno Benjamin uh, out of Wiley, who you could who who is a possibility. Um, that, that, you know, they, they really do, in my opinion, need to grab uh, at least one or two more running backs. They're loaded at wide receiver, but it would not hurt to get a few of the of the bigger names just because I can't remember a year having such talent in Texas at wide receiver. You can go one to ten and have a potential all American. And then the eleven to sixteen, seventeen are potential all conference. Twenty seventeen is disgustingly loaded with wide receiver talent. So just by that alone, you need to snag two, three of those guys if possible. But like I said, there's only 13 spots. There's only 13 there, and so they're going to have to be creative. Um, I like yeah. their approach so far. I really do. The last three days, they have slammed it. We've seen more offers in the last three days than Strong and his staff had in the last four months combined. And they're going after a couple guys that uh, – at Inside Texas, Eric Nolene and myself have evaluated and thought were Texas offer worthy. Guys like Grant Pauley from Denton High, uh, Charleston Rambo, the receiver from Cedar Hill, getting an offer today. That should have happened last summer. And I know for a fact one of the former staffers loved him, thought he had immense upside. He's also an OU pledge. Uh, I'm just not so sure how solid that is. So yeah, the best way to answer that is they need to grab about 12 or 13 more guys. I'd like to see – Another defensive end, I'd like to see an edge rusher, like a, a Caleb Von Chasen from North Shore would be ideal. That guy has monster all-conference written all over him. And so um, they, they're going to have to be – you know, the problem here is there's a lot of an early enrollee. So they've right. got to cram a lot of work in before that dead period on December 11th. But the great thing about – Herman that we've already discovered is they're not afraid to work hard. They're not afraid to offer kids that are committed to other schools. Don't be surprised if they go after some kids 
that are already offered by other schools. Like I said, Charleston Rambo today from OU, um, I could see them going after Jalen Rager, the wide receiver from Waxahachie who's committed to TCU, who is easily the best wide receiver in the state of Texas. Um, they could look at some other guys that, that are committed as well. And so that's going to be the fun part. Nail down your Walker Littles, the five-star left tackle that's basically Sam Ellinger's uh, bodyguard. You know, get that guy in the mix. How about a Chevin Callaway from Bishop Dunn? You just went there and offered Calvin Avery and Brian Williams. Get in good with that staff. Start a pipeline there because those guys in Dallas do tremendous. Those coaches do a tremendous job with those players. So in, in summation, the best way I can summarize is let's, let's, they need about 12 or 13 guys. They're going to be spread out. Uh, you're, you might nab one, two, possibly three elites, but the key is keeping Sam Ellinger, who is the best quarterback in the state, who has more upside in this style offense than anybody else can offer, and is a hometown hero. He's from Westlake High School. He has records at Westlake High School. He'd have a state title if the field ball would have gone through the uprights last year. You keep him in the fold, which uh, that meeting they had yesterday with him and his family assured that that will happen. You grab about 12 or 13 other guys around him, two or three elites, a couple big-time wide receivers, a couple corners, and I think you're going to finish with a top 20, top 25 class and it really is going to give you some momentum and boost for 2018 because 2018 has some unbelievable talent, which they're already building relationships on. Strong staff was hesitant on going early for some of these guys, but some of these guys are no-brainers. you got to offer them. you got to go for them uh, and, and do that as well. And, and, and I think you're going to see once 2017 wraps up, they'll, they'll amp it up in the spring with, with junior days towards 2018, and then recruiting is going to continue to be fun, and that's what makes my job the best. You know, another name, obviously we offered the um, the ex-Alabama um, player, Kendall Sheffield, today, um, Robert Blinn. Do um, you see anything coming from that? I see possibly a visit. Um, his dad told our Eric Nolene that, they're, uh, that they want to set up, possibly set up a visit. Um, I, I, I like it because it, it's just one – I hate to, you know, bash on Charlie, but, but but at this point a lot of this is comparative. I don't think Strong would have gone after a, a Juco corner like that, whereas yeah. Herman has identified he's got three great corners on his roster that need development big time. Chris Boyd really took the next step uh, toward, towards all-conference and, and a future in the NFL this last season, especially after Cal. His, his season was great. Uh, he had some some flaws in the West Virginia game, but overall he took a step forward. Holton Hill kind of regressed a little bit. Uh, he he took a little bit of step back. He was suspended for a few games. I think this new direction, new leadership is going to be good for him. And then Devontae Davis might actually move to safety uh, in, next spring. So get a Kendall Sheffield, who is an incredible athlete, uh, track speed, great size, just wasn't a fit at Alabama, and some guys aren't. Had a great season at Blinn. Uh, do they have a shot at him? Absolutely. But they got to get the visit. Until the visit happens, I wouldn't have any confidence. But if, if him and his father, Cecil, make it to Austin uh, within the next month or two, all bets are off. Well, a lot of questions coming in as well. Um, is, is Shane still our starter at quarterback when we kick off uh, next fall? I can't tell you that. I can tell you he will yeah. be the starter going into the spring. Uh, he has earned that right. He 
I had a little write-up at Inside Texas the other day just about the ups and downs of, of his season. And, you know, I don't think we could have expected a better season from a true freshman that was basically six months away from prom. He he came in. He ran a system. Coach Gilbert really set him up to, to succeed. I, I believe he kind of fell off the last couple games simply because of injuries and wear and tear. He hit that proverbial wall that freshman hit, uh, that wall just so happened to be a, a linebacker from Kansas uh, that gave him a neck injury. I don't think he was ever fully healed. I know for a fact in, in the TCU game he was still banged up. And so that's kind of why you saw a little bit less velocity on his passes, a little less accurate on some of his stuff, a little more feet, a little more jumpy in the pocket. But he completely earned the right to be the starter going into the spring. He set most freshman passing records in the history of Texas football. Uh, He brought back respect to a position that Texas fans have feared at quarterback since Colt McCoy graduated. Uh, He brought back an energy there. He's a leader. The the offense completely uh, respects him, follows him. Uh, Who's the starting quarterback next fall is going to determine how Shane handles the spring, how much how he bulks up and gets stronger and more experienced, what kind of an impact Sam Ellinger can make as a true freshman? Because Sam's got the qualities that Shane lack, Sam possesses. More size, six foot two and a half, two 225 pounds, more speed. Uh, uh, he's just the team leader that Shane is, but he's also an incredible passer. Uh, he can throw a right. football through a wall. He throws a beautiful deep ball. Uh, and more, more importantly than anything with Ellinger is he is a, when the lights come on, there's just a switch in his mind that flips. Uh, and, and I can't wait to go see him on Friday night uh, as Westlake plays Lake Travis uh, in Round Rock uh, in, the, in the regional finals. Really looking forward to that game. They're, they're rivals. And that's, that's when you're going to see Sam Ellinger at his best. The guy's had a, a really down senior year, injured knee, injured thumb, but he feels like he still has something to give his brothers. He doesn't want to let his team and his school down. The guys that have relied on him, that's the kind of teammates you need. That's the kind of leader Texas needs at quarterback. He's going to get a shot. But do they bring in a grad transfer? That's the question. Do they bring in a Kyle Allen? Do they pursue a Jarrett Stidham? Do they look uh, somewhere else JUCO-wise? Do they try to flip Houston commit Bryson Smith? Those are all questions that have to be answered. So to, to to give you an answer in the fall, there's no way to know. If I was a betting man, I would say Shane is your opening day starter. I believe it's Maryland, if I'm not cor- if I'm correct, uh, that they open yeah, the season so. with next year. Maryland and San Jose State and then USC. But Sam's going to give him a run for his money. He, he's a competitive kid. He's coming on campus gunning for that job. Uh, I can just tell you right now, Shane will, Shane will get the first snaps in the spring, and uh, whoever picks up the system best will, will probably get the leg up in the fall. Well, just a couple more. Um, I mean, obviously, um, I think with offensive recruits, um, you know, most of them are going to be comfortable if we don't have an OC hired here, you know, in the next two or three weeks because obviously they know Herman. It's his offense. He's going to be an integral part of play calling and everything. Um, I'm more concerned on the defensive side of the ball that, that we don't, you know, you know, have have something for kids to grab onto. So, um, what are some names we're looking at at DC? I mean, obviously Orlando, the interim coach at U of H. Um, is there anybody else there that, that may be a name we're not hearing? Because, um, like I said, that's my concern. If we're going to pull a couple of these uh, big time defensive recruits late, um, they're probably going to want to know who their DC is. 
They are, and, 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 and it's a great question, Mike. It really is. I just want you to remember, when, Mike, when uh, Tom Herman took the Houston job, he did something rare, don't do. He stayed at Ohio State until after the bowl game, which turned out to be a That's national right. championship. And he did that because he felt like he owed it to the kids. He, he, he has this thing where he's, he, his genuine sincerity towards loving these kids, you know, he gets mocked for kissing them, but it, it's, it's just who he is. He, he has a general love for these kids. And I, I have a ton of respect for a guy that really needed to be beaten the streets of Houston that first month to, to, to secure himself a great class rather than coaching for somebody else, winning for somebody else where he really wasn't going to get any of the credit. I think that's what you're seeing with Houston right now. I think Herman wanted to make sure that those guys, those kids at Houston that he loves, weren't left behind. And so I, I, you know, my best guess would be Todd Orlando's going to be the defensive coordinator. And I believe that with Jason Washington and Oscar Giles and Tom Herman out recruiting, they're pushing and, and, and their pitch is this is the defense we're going to run. You saw what Coach Orlando ran at, at, at Forest at Houston. A lot of this three three five, some of this four two five, a little bit of three four. I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see a lot more four-down linemen just because there's a girth of defensive line talent at Texas that just needs to be maximized, young talent too. And so it's not a problem, uh, in my opinion, overall. Uh, when, when the sales pitch is the same, it, it doesn't have to necessarily come from that defensive coordinator who could be Orlando. If it's coming from Herman or Giles, it's still received. And so from that standpoint, I still anticipate my best guess would be uh, that Todd Orlando is going to join Texas as a defensive coordinator. He's just holding down the reins like Herman did at Ohio State for Houston right now. I'd heard a name like Paul Rhodes, and I thought, wow, what a great – that would be such a great hire because I've, I've had the pleasure of, of covering some of his games and interviewing him a couple times at Big 12 Media Days. And Paul Rhodes is just a first-class guy who just – he seems like I really thought – I hoped he'd get a better shot. I thought after he'd had a, a pretty marginally good first season at Ohio State, that might get him into a Nebraska-Iowa job, and that just never happened. And so when I heard that first, first heard, heard that name, that was one that was very appealing. Uh, Dave Aranda was the, the big name thrown out, and I believe there was some talk of Herman really wanting to bring him. But when uh, LSU just sweetened the deal, and he feels comfortable with where he's at in Baton Rouge. Uh, don't blame him; he's going to stay put. So, overall, I, I do. My best guess is going to be that Todd Orlando is going to be named the DC after the bowl. That's just a guess. Uh, uh, that's what I like to do inside Texas. If I don't know it, I'm just going to give you my best guess. But that's where I think it's going to go. And you don't have to have him in place necessarily to sell the vision. Uh, Tom Herman's going to have to sell both sides anyway, and so that's. That's just that. That's the neat side of Coach Herman, the uniqueness. Uh, he doesn't want to leave those Houston kids hung out to dry. He, he wants them to get to that bowl and win, and I, I think that's where you're going to see that right now. I think that's why a D.C. and an O.C. haven't been hired yet. Well, last question. Again, Justin, I really appreciate it, but um, obviously the, the, the guy that, that was an integral part of the, the 2005 championship and so many great players coming through the University of Texas – um, obviously, we're talking about the um, awesome recruiter, um, Coach Tim Brewster. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people thought it would be in, it would be announced. So a lot of people think because of his tweets yesterday, he's probably not in. Maybe there's still negotiation. Who knows? It could go either way. Uh, you know, what kind of gives me a glimmer of hope that there may be still something brewing there 
is if he was so sure he was going back to Florida State, obviously Florida State knows that, that Texas is a threat. Uh, I would have thought Florida State would have announced some type of pay raise or extension to shut down all the rumors, and that hasn't happened. That's always a tell sign that when somebody's saying they, they get some extension and they play for money, and I haven't heard anything there. So I could see where this is just my theory that maybe maybe Jimbo told him, you know, hey, you know, maybe I'll let you go in the dead period. I really need you here up until signing day, like we saw our coach last year who left after signing day and caught a little heat. Um, but you tell me what you think on the Tim Brewster front. You know, I, I, that's, that's unique that you said that. I'm glad you brought up Coach Brewster. Um, when you don't retain a Jeff Trailer, you really do need to replace him with with with, a, with another big time recruiter, and and they don't yeah. get much better than a Tim Brewster. Uh, the guys uh, was responsible for bringing a Chris Sims, Chance Mock, Vince Young, Rod Babers, Corey Redding to the University of Texas. Uh, he has got recruiting ties and connections in in the state of Texas that are he has maintained for years and years. He is one of the best in the game. Uh, we reported last week that a uh, source had told us that there had, there was a possibility that, that Coach Brewster could be coming back to Austin. Him and Coach Herman have actually stayed in touch for all these years. Remember I said at the beginning of the, pot, the, beginning of the show, Coach Brewster was the one that referred him to, to Coach Brown. Uh-huh. And so they've maintained a good relationship for years. Uh, at this point, there's so many scenarios that could happen. I'm going I'm gonna, to I'm gonna really rely on what – Coach Herman said at his introductory press conference when asked what the, how the staff's going to be gathered, it's going to take a few weeks. It's going to take a few things to maneuver. Uh, I think the guys that he brought on right off the bat were guys that were going to come, always going to come, that were, that were in the bag from the start. I think the right. next wave will be guys that are possibly coaching in the bowl for Houston right now just to make sure that he sends his guys off the best possible way he can before they come to Austin. And then the last wave is going to be trying to nab that maybe that big name that would really bring recruiting all together. Maybe that, that one hire that, that, that people all just really, all the fan base just really rallies behind. Uh, will that be Coach Brewster? That remains to be seen. Uh, you know, I, it, it's hard to, to really go in depth anymore on, on, on that. I do think there's still a chance that that happens. Um, I, I really like what you said about Jimbo suggesting, hey, would you stick around until after the dead period and, and then we'll go from there. It could be a recruiting ploy uh, with their agents. It could be a tactic to, to, for him to get a raise and, and maybe an extension at Florida State. Uh, you never know. These, these coaches, they, they've got to take care of themselves. They've got to take care of their families. And that's the most important thing to them is, is getting that contract signed and, and getting maximum value for the talent they bring. And Coach Brewster is one of those guys that has that kind of stroke. He's got that kind of leverage, and it would it would only be sensical for him to 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 use that to his best advantage. And so, like I said, Coach Herman's going to take a few weeks to fill out his staff. Uh, you know, all Texas fans want it done immediately. They want it done now. They right. want the whole all the guys there, so everybody can sell with their their vision. And it just doesn't come together like that. It's not it's not always the smoothest transition, but Give Coach Herman credit. He's out there, like with Dave Aranda and a Tim Brewster and, a, and and other names that we, we've heard. He's out there trying and looking at guys that could really build the best possible staff because uh, he knows he needs to be the face of the program so that he gets the best assistance to run his system and 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 push his philosophy. 
I definitely think Coach Brewster, uh, there's a chance that he could wind up in Austin. Um, we won't know that for a couple, at least until before the dead period, or at least uh, for the next few days, weeks, what, what have you. Uh, but that, that ship has not sailed. I know people are each time, each day I think we get a thread at Inside Texas that says, hey, what, what's going on with Tim Brewster? It's because there's an excitement behind him. But right now, and like I've told people, uh, my source said that, that there was a chance that he could be interviewed and he could, uh, could, you know, could make a trip to Austin. But until it becomes real, that's all it is right now. It's just talk and speculation. Exactly. Well, Justin, let me give you all a, a little props real quick. Um, you know, most people listening know that Justin Wells, um, one of the lead writers and editor and everything over there at, at Inside Texas, I guess I joined over there, I don't know, a month and a half ago, two months ago, somewhere, give or take, of, you know, whatever it was. And I'll just give you all some, some free pub. I, I'm, I'm not worried about it. Um, I've been extremely pleased with the product. And obviously with recruiting getting better, um, getting ready to get a big up kick and, and, and a lot of excitement, um, um, I will say this, through all of the Herman, Maney, and everything, they stuck to what they knew and what they believed. Um, um, Scipio, Texas is writing over there. Uh, Ian with the X's and O's. Justin with his stories, recruiting. Um, Eric with his recruiting. Um, if you're looking for a one-stop shop, everything in one place with no BS, just great information and great conversation, um, I would highly suggest Inside Texas. So, um, Justin, tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and all those good things, and I appreciate it. And um, I look forward to reading all y'all stuff over the, the next year. Man, you can find me at uh, Justin Wells 2424. Uh, you can find us at uh, just Inside Um uh, those are on Twitter. Also on Facebook, like us, follow us on, on Facebook as well. We've been doing a lot of stuff with Facebook here lately. Uh, we've got we've got a video intern that's doing a lot of a video too. Go to you, our Inside Texas YouTube channel. Uh, we've got stuff there going up there twice, two, three times a week. New, new videos, and um, I just want to say uh, I, I'm so glad uh, that you let me that you asked me to to come on the podcast tonight, Mike. Uh, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart. Uh, for this podcast, it's one of the reasons I am where I am today, and, and I'm very grateful for you giving me that opportunity years ago. Uh, when I saw that you had signed up and, and got on the board, I, I, I texted you immediately, and I, I was really excited just because I, I know how passionate of, and, and how devout of Texas fan you are, but also how you're such a great fan. You, you see what the, you, you don't. There's no bull. There's, there's no – it's straight shooting. And a lot of times Texas fans need to hear that, and you deliver that to them. And so um, really do appreciate all the, the, the nice publicity and the nice things you said about us at Inside Texas. Uh, Mike, we, I, I just – I genuinely feel like we have the best team in the industry. Uh, Eric Nolene is, is second to none in what he does uh, from a recruiting standpoint, from a team invoice standpoint. Scipio Tex is the best rider in the business. I, I dream of being able to ride as good as that guy can from a macro and micro level. Nobody breaks down the school better. Ian Boyd's X's and O's are just, they're, they're, they're known throughout the coaching community. There are college coaches that read his stuff on a daily basis, and he only gets better. Joe Cook, the beat rider, he's going to be our boss one day. That guy is a shining star that we identified a few years ago, made him full-time. That way no one could steal him from us. Uh, he is precocious. He is incredibly hardworking. I love having him. Tim Preston knocks down basketball better than anybody. Will Gallagher takes pictures better than anybody in the business, and that is a fact. Uh, 
We've just got the best team. Uh, and every once in a while, my main man, Jesus Shuttlesworth, shows up to drop a little uh, big money donor information, some uh, back channel information, some coaching, some tidbits. Uh, he's always good for some for some for, for some additions as well. And so, and also Juliana Nix does a great job with our video. So I'm sorry I had to give all those guys love. I have the best oh, team in the fine. business. They they make they make my job really easy. They make me look real good because those guys are the best at what they do. I just get to to sit back and watch and revel at how great they are and. I just thank our own side owners, Clinton Ross and Michael Pearl, for the opportunity. And I got the greatest job in the world. And, and I definitely want to thank you again for having me on the show. Uh, I will definitely have to do this closer. Uh, we get to recruiting. We'll have a, I, I would love to come on and do some recruiting uh, stuff for you. And then uh, when spring ball rolls around, I think you're going to see a, a few more butts in the stands for the spring game this year. I anticipate yeah. it being a real nice turnout. Uh, we're going to see Shane Bouchelle and Sam Ellinger slinging the football across the field and, I think you're going to see a new excitement in Texas football, and you know what? Texas fans deserve it. Yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long drought since um, 2009, that's for sure. Well, hey, on a lighter note, before we shut this thing down tonight, um, how's that fatherhood treating you? i got to tell you, man, uh, he turned three months a couple days ago, and he has been <laughs> – it's been life-changing. It's, uh, it's, it's obviously our first child, and um, – he is uh he's my everything uh, i i have to I, I get to watch him during the week i get help of course from family but uh since i'm a, since I, I work from home most of the time during the week i'm only on the road on the weekends uh it's i get a lot of one on one time with him and uh it's hard to describe mike just uh, how neat it is i also lean on a lot of friends that have kids for advice <laughs> i i definitely keep called and and texting just to make sure uh just because on one end, it's the most amazing thing in the world. On the other, it's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and that's well, just I, the first I, I, two hours I'll of the day. Quick, I'll give you some quick advice, <laughs> and I'll let you go. Um, don't blink. Okay. If you're going to wake up like me one day, my boy, my boy is a senior this year in high school, so we're 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 moving on to the next stage at life. So I remember the three months like it was just yesterday, and he turns 18 in about five days. So don't blink. It'll be over before you know it. Man, Mike. Well, man, I tell him congratulations. Uh, where's he going to go to college? Well, uh, do we even have to answer that question? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, that is good. And tell him congratulations on getting to go to the best place in the world. And, uh, you know, I, I hope my son is just uh, well-adjusted enough to, to contribute. I will say this. I can I can turn on cartoons, and he'll bust, and he'll whine. And I turn on football, and that three-month-old will sit there and watch it without skipping a beat. Now, of course, he's watching the Dallas Cowboys. And my son, all he's ever seen are wins from the Dallas Cowboys. So don't tell me that's not a sign. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, man, I'll let you go so you can get back to family. And um, next time next time we see each other in person, um, the hamburger's on me, buddy. You got it, brother. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be there, and I'll, I'll give you a big hug. Sorry, man. Be good. Appreciate you. All right, that's Justin Wells joining the Orange Report. Good stuff, as always. I want to thank all my listeners again for um, hanging out with us for the full 50 minutes. Um, we got right out an hour. Um, I'll, I'm going to be tweeting out um, my off-season schedule. Um, we're probably going to have a few basketball podcasts. I'm going to get Kevin Flaherty back on here from 247. And obviously, as we get close to baseball season, I'm going to get some um, some people on um, with baseball as well. So we'll be doing some off-season podcasts. Y'all just stay tuned. There'll be a good old Twitter world. 
Again, I thank all my long-term listeners. I thank Justin. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Lots of information tonight. Good stuff as always. So always remember the eyes of Texas are upon you. Hook them horns, and we'll see you when we see you. Hook them.